Now, if there's something I think that uh, there's not one financial advisor or financial planner around the globe, never mind in South Africa, like doesn't matter where you are, I think the thought that goes through your mind is, ah, compliance. I don't like compliance. It's a burden, uh, you know. And and the thing is that it's not only a burden from a, a a monetary point of view. It's absolutely a burden from a time point of view because it's taking us away from spending time with our clients. I've had some interesting discussions this week with people also asking around certain other things that I've spoken about before, but about this, does that mean that we that we now use automation, for example, in order to to be able to deal with more clients? Um, in the sense of that it replaces that interaction with the clients. And it's no, it's not that. What we want to do is understand why we do compliance in this uh, context today and, uh, you know, how we can how we can use that to our benefit in order to really get us to that point. And if you don't believe me, like, it's possible to get to see more clients regardless of compliance. And uh, I think that's the big thing. So, you know, on the other hand, I think what we're also really battling with is that clients couldn't give a damn about the paperwork and everything that they need to sign. They just need the answer and they want to get to the point where they can go and sleep well at night. So that's the reality. However, unfortunately, regulation and legislation forces us to do loads of paperwork, have loads of conversations and things that we need to do. You know this. I'm not going to sell this to you. Uh, But yeah, I think uh, that we're definitely always complaining about the fact that we feel like we are being overregulated. I always say it's so sad that we need that because of a very small group of people, probably. Uh, but yeah, it, it might be very well that, uh, you know, the view is that compliance is killing the profession and small IFI businesses uh, just because of all the requirements and all of that. But my guest today is going to put a whole different spin on this, a whole different perspective. And when I chatted to her a few weeks ago, my mind went, like, wow, this is amazing. So I'm going to introduce you to Julie Annie a little bit later. But before we do, Let's get on with today's show. We've got a jam-packed edition for you today. Let's go. This is Propulsion, the podcast for forward-thinking and driven and ambitious financial planning professionals. It is the catalyst to the exponential growth of your financial planning practice, your business, or your franchise. Uh, This is where professionals come in order to learn about the latest technology, to learn about best practice when it comes to running and managing their business, as well as marketing, sales, relationship building, the best and most valuable interviews with local and international guests, and a whole host of other things. Without any further ado, here is your host, François de Toy. Julie, it's time. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Francois. Thank you so much and welcome and good morning to all the listeners. Yeah, amazing. Um, so, Julie, you are um, a co-founder of Lemonade, which is the, the overarching business. But there's two sort of main products within this. There's Honeycomb and there's Beeswax, which we'll, we'll get into. You've got a long history in this area. And um, I'm really looking forward to having a discussion with you today. Uh, and just by the way, if you want to connect with Julie, you can do so on LinkedIn. You know that everybody's on LinkedIn. I don't know how active Julie is on LinkedIn, <laughs> but definitely I, I found her there. <laughs> so yeah. at the very least, or if you if you want to get in touch with her, um, I will share the details a little bit later. And you can also get in touch with me to get in touch with her. So so absolutely no problem. Julie, um, you know, I think when I when I think about compliance, and I think many of the listeners and and viewers and and so forth on on the 
uh, that's here today. And thank you to everybody that's here live. I always appreciate this. And please ask questions. Please share your opinions and your experiences. Like That's what this live show is about. We can engage back and forth. So, so I just wanted to remind everyone of that. But anyway, so if we think about compliance and we think about like the frustration it's causing, there's all this, and it's just becoming more and more and more regulation. Last week, we spoke to Anton Swanepoel about Kofi that's coming, um, which is going to be like, he, he, may, he said like phase on steroids, right? So I think everybody goes, I mean, there were, there were a couple of people saying like, okay, I'm selling my practice and it's not that bad, but, but you know, it is this thing like, oh, I've got to spend all this time proving that I'm complying and then when I'm going to really run my business and see my clients. But I want to get to what is the essence of compliance? Like what is at its at its very core? Yeah, I think, Francois, a, a lot of people, I mean, if I may just backtrack a little bit, if you hear the word compliance, people usually frown and you are not received very well because it is a pain. And I think it's become a pain because because of the, the stick of measurement and the punishment that, that goes along with it. You have this huge threat of huge fines that's going to be handed out if you are not compliant and everybody is driven and everyone is running around and scrambling to do as much as they possibly can with tool sets that cost and use so much of their time. People are spending time on doing compliance instead of doing what they're supposed to. And earlier you mentioned that, that and I mean, what you, you just said earlier, people think, do I have to do this? I, I'm, I'm not getting to what I'm supposed to do. And I'm spending all my time on doing compliance, trawling websites, going to different applications, trying to pull information together. And I think the, the core of compliance is firstly to understand why do we have to do compliance? What is compliance about? I can spend hours telling you stories of people that sit in sessions that I've had, training sessions, conversations where they say, why do we have to do compliance? Why should we do compliance on my client that I've known for donkey years? Why is this all necessary? We're just being burdened with unnecessary tasks. If we really unpack compliance and we have a look at what compliance really is and what we can do as normal practitioners to circumvent certain things that has a huge impact, not only globally, but on us personally too. Compliance is all about preventing and making it difficult for someone to possibly launder money. Now, that is a phrase too that a lot of people hear. It gets thrown around. What is money laundering? Money laundering is when you are facilitating or conducting people to take money that has been received from ill-gotten gains and transacting with that money and using you as a conduit. Now, if we have a look at compliance, the compliance is really quite simple in saying you need to know who your client is. You need to understand who that client is. I've had yesterday, I had a session where somebody said to me, but what happens if I didn't know? And I'm going, but that's the essence of compliance. You have to know. You have to make it your responsibility to know who you are dealing with. And my, my business partner, Louis, always says they walk amongst us. And it's usually the guy that you think you know very well that you don't know. And you're not sure where the sources are coming from. So to be able to 
compliance. And I always get teased about my WhatsApp profile. I say compliance is the best. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> I truly do mean that. If we all just contribute that little bit of effort in doing compliance, making it difficult for someone to be able to transact with monies, which we perhaps don't know where that comes from, we will be able to have an impact on topics like human trafficking, rhino poaching, terrorism. Uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, we had that scare from, from the FBI that had indicated that there's a terrorist group. So many people that I've spoken to said, ISIS in South Africa? Yes, yes, we do have ISIS in South Africa. It's just unspoken of. It's not media-sized for obvious reasons. ISIS is not going to put a big banner up and say, hey, guys, guess what? We're now in South Africa. They do lurk in, in the dark corners. But what are we doing to contribute and ensure that we are not facilitating these kinds of crimes in what we do? And that is the essence of compliance. And I think once a person understands that that paperwork that we all hate, that little job that we have to do because we have to comply with the FIC Act, what does that actually mean? What are you preventing? What could you contribute towards? And I mean, the, the stats on your human trafficking, yesterday we, we um, got feedback from a webinar that was held, an international uh, webinar. Francois, 1,050 children and women are being kidnapped per hour globally. Sure. Now this needs to be funded. Somebody's funding this. ISIS that they found in South Africa, they found the four um, leaders in KwaZulu-Natal. They've got four companies that have been trading in South Africa for years, not recent, for years. Now, who has been trading with them? Do they know who sits behind those companies? And I think that is the essence of doing what we have to do. It's not a love task. It is something that we do not enjoy. But we have to do it and we have to all add to that bucket of water by adding drops at a time. And I truly believe that that is what compliance is about. We have an obligation to comply. We have an obligation to know who we are dealing with. We put together an application which we feel helps and streamlines that process. Because we are so passionate about being able to do compliance, and reaching out to from the smallest little company with a one-man show right through to your bigger corporates. What needs to be done? People are spending too much time trawling networks and trawling Google and looking at different platforms, and you never get the overall picture. And we believe that Beeswax is an application that is automated where it should be automated in obtaining data and also obtaining the correct data. We have got data sets like POCA cases, which is your prevention of crime. We have got data sets like enforcement actions. And I know people are sitting, probably listening to me going, why, 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 what's that, Julie? Why should we be doing that? That is once you have got something that you're perhaps suspicious of that gives you the true essence of a due diligence process, understanding what is this person actually up to? What are they doing? South Africa, unfortunately, is a target at the moment. And if you have a look at, you can go and Google anything about compliance. 
fraud and corruption only takes place in a country where it's easily hidden. So if you are not doing proper compliance processes, it is easier for people to trade and to be able to finance these types of, these types of hideous crimes, which we know very little of, and yet it's rife. Julie, so, so that there's a couple of things that, that you've mentioned that <clears throat> I want to sort of delve just a little bit deeper in maybe, um, and, and, and it'll all lead back to where we just finished off now. But the, um, I mean, j- just from a perspective of, you know, let's go back to the, to, to, to the person who said, you know what, what if I don't know? You know, if you think about income tax, for example, SARS is very clear. Like you can't, you can't rely on I did not know. You must make mm-hmm. sure that you know. So the, the, exactly the same, there's a responsibility. If you are an accountable institution, then you should make it your problem to know and to find out. And you must be able to show that you went through a process, I would assume, that you tried to find out. If you then didn't find out, that's fine. But if you did nothing or you asked one question, you know, are you a politically exposed person? And this oak said no. And then you just accepted that face value. You know, does that negate, you know, does it take away it doesn't mean that you've ticked that box because that, that's one big thing where I think compliance is this massive tick box exercise for many things from doing FICA right through to CPD to like all the things that we need to comply with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, like, like, like some of the things that you mentioned, that's so, so important. And I'll get to, cause I want to get into those stories a little bit later around the human trafficking and, and the things that, and how this actually plays into preventing that because that, that's very, very powerful. But at the end of the day, you know, how I think, let me just ask the question this way. So I think what a lot of people are sitting here thinking, like if they're in a small IFA business, for example, is look like now I've got to do all of these things. And now I've got to make sure that I'm not dealing with ISIS, for example. Um, and I want to use that word too many, too many times. I'm, I'm worried that YouTube will, <laughs> will, will let us know. Let's like this video. Um, but, but I mean, like, like, is there a way to sort of make this easier on yourself? And I guess the question is, like, if I'm a small IFA, how does my process differ for trying to identify these kind of risks in my engagement with with clients um, versus a medium size or a larger business? Is there a difference in in the process? And I'm not yet talking about the tools that which we'll get into, but I mean, is there a difference in the process, or is it? that we all need to follow the same process. And what is that process? So, Francia, that's a very, very interesting question. And I think it, it hits the nail on the head too. A small company has got the same obligation as a large corporate. It's how you manage that and how you do it and how it's performed in where the difference lies. And a small company dealing with perhaps a lot of family members, family friends, family people that they know. Um, They have the same obligation as a corporate does for someone that walks through the door. In fact, I think they have a larger obligation because nobody who is going to be trying to use any institution as a conduit for money laundering is going to go to a corporate. They are going to find the smaller people And that is why FIC has been so active. And when we speak of FIC and the FIC audits that take place, the FIC auditors are there to determine whether or not an accountable institution has performed the correct steps and measures 
in doing due diligence. And if you have followed the steps and you understand what it is that you need to look for and you don't spend your time actually looking for it, but actually analyzing what you have found, you are in good standing and you know that you have performed the correct duties. If you have followed all the steps and you have performed due diligence to the best of your ability, in other words, doing the steps correctly, getting the correct information and analyzing the information, you know that you are in a safe position when it comes to having a tick on compliance. Sorry, I think what you're mentioning there is that it is, it's exactly that. It's almost like uh, one of the things that came through my mind as you were saying, like they're not going to choose a bank to try and launder money. They're going to come to the unsuspecting small, oh, because who's going to come to me because I'm this small business kind of thing. It's almost the same as, uh, um, what's his house called? Like, you know, like the, the hackers, you know, there, there's more data breaches in small businesses uh, and, and it increases like on a daily basis uh, about how these small businesses are being attacked because, Mm-hmm. These systems are probably more vulnerable. They don't have the, the same level of security as a corporate would have. They don't have monitoring teams sitting there seeing if something's happening on the network, et cetera, et cetera. So it makes absolute sense that they would actually target somebody that is unsuspecting, if you will, and, and, and operates in good faith. Because I think in a small business, you often operate on good faith, right? Um, sure. And, and I, I've, <laughs> I finally remember just now, like many, 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 many years ago, um, just, this is just a, a funny little story, but many years ago, I had um, I, I was looking after an advisor and we did the underwriting on a risk policy and it came back um, and, and we declined it. And, and, and the reason was that uh, there, there was health issues and, um, and <laughs> the answer the advisor gave me like, but... You know, and, and it's like exactly that. It's like this it, on the surface, it looks absolutely fine. They behave like normal people, they, they look proper, they act proper, they're courteous, yeah. they're respectful. You know, they don't look like gangsters, if you will. Yet, those are exactly the people hiding in plain sight that, that you don't know is the thing. And yeah. now, my, my, my question is just, just before I get into more of the practicality, is just so, and I think you alluded to this, and this is where I want to get a little bit more into the stories around the human trafficking and, and all sorts of other things that are being funded and things that are carried on, you know, through money laundering. It's like, why we should care so deeply about compliance? Because getting back to the question or the comments or the statements that people make, like, uh, you know, like, I must just get, it's just part, I must just get it done, you know, so they just do it so they can tick a box. Um and also, just just by the way, compliance goes deeper than phase. There is compliance with the Companies Act. There's compliance with like there's loads of things that we need to comply with. By the way, so we're talking yeah in, in in general as well. But I mean, what is the impact if we do compliance well? And I'll get into because I want to get into um, sort of the how do we make it easy for the small guy to do what the big guy is doing as well. So so we'll get to that. But the but what difference is this making on the ground, Julie? Like if we do this and I'm able to identify someone, um, you know, through whatever means and identify what difference does that make? And Because I think that leads to why I should care so much about compliance. Absolutely. And I think, Francois, that is exactly why I am so compassionate about and, and passionate about compliance is because we can make a difference. 
And if you take an example, and I think this is an example that it's, it's a real example. Um, it has happened not too long ago. And it should, this is to me the essence of why compliance exists. You have got a drug lord that sits in KZN. Okay. He trades, he sells drugs to school children, which could be, we all have, many of us have children. Um, you don't know what they get exposed to. You are not always with them. And a person tries to protect those that you love, be it your kids, your, your husband, wives, mothers, fathers, etc. We have got exposure to these rogues and our children have got exposure, exposure to these rogues. They are selling drugs and they are trading with drugs. That particular individual had a life policy. He was mowed down when collecting money from a drug deal that went pear-shaped and he has now got a life insurance that has to pay out. How did that person manage with his history being on, if you go and Google this individual, there's articles from 2011 that exist about him, about his drug activity, about being an underworld kingpin. How did he manage to have that kind of insurance? And that specifically explains how we could prevent people that are earning money from this kind of trade to prevent them from having an ordinary financial life. So you're not going to stop any of the crime. We are not going to stop people from, from laundering money. We're not going to stop people from being drug dealers or human traffickers or rhino poachers or whatever they, they get up to. But you can make it difficult for them. And your moral obligation and your legal obligation should be in line. And that is exactly why organizations like FATF exist. It is the global organization of protecting the integrity of the world's financial trade to say, do not allow people that are gaining money from, from, from ill activities to be able to trade. In the week, I had one of, of the, the car dealerships that, that had a case where a 24-year-old walks in with 1.3 million rand cash wanting to buy a car. Where is he getting that money from? The first thing that I get asked is, should I turn him away? It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful deal. Now, we all have to make a living. We all have to do and we have to trade and we have to make our money. But are you promoting people being able to gain money from any means and having a normal financial life? You are then promoting and you are conducting that kind of activity. And frontal, what scares me is a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, it kind of happens there. We, we, we don't live in that world. Drug dealership and human trafficking the reason why they keep all of this quiet and don't media size is it because it will cause absolute panic. If you know how often this happens and, and where it happens, it's not happening in little dingy areas. It's happening all around us. 
We are just not aware of it because it gets kept quiet. And if you are an accountable or a reportable institution, you have got the staff in your hand. You have the ability to make these people's lives difficult to trade. And that is why we put together an application that does that for you. So you are able to see, is somebody politically exposed? Do they have any adverse media around them? Media is a wonderful thing. And social media, and I must say, and, and I hope none of the rogues are listening to this, but they love bragging. So there's always some kind of social media outlet, the, the great reveal of my new uh, G-Wagon and the great reveal of my child's 21st birthday present, which cost 4 million rand, and my home. And people can't help bragging. So social media exposes a lot about people. Beeswax, the application, will be able to draw those information sets for you so that you don't have to sit trawling on your own, but it'll put together a composite picture that then puts you in a powerful position to be able to make the correct decision and perhaps prevent things from happening. We've all seen that the Zondo Commission, I mean, how many people have commented on, but where's the consequence? And how did this happen? Oh, we all shocked. How did it happen? It all boils down to the fact that compliance wasn't kept. If yeah. you are doing business with somebody that you know is known for tender fraud, is known for fraudulent and corrupt activities, and has a lot of adverse media around them because of their, their lifestyle, because of what they do, don't do business with them. You can prevent, you can make it difficult for the rogues to financially live. Yeah. And, you know, I, listening to you, I'm, I'm going like, yeah, it, it's exactly sort of the thing that that happens is I think in our minds we think, oh, what difference am I going to make? You know, what is my little thing going to do? And and one, I don't move in those circles. Secondly, oh, the other idea or, or the other thought that just came to my mind, Mark, this is why I'm not coming to KZN because all the stuff is happening in KZN. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing sort of thing just to think about this, uh, you know, from, from, from that point of view. Um, just quickly, let's just touch on, on, on like also, again, the human trafficking part of it. I think you had a story that you, that you shared with me when, when we met a few weeks ago um, around that. Also, that's, that's very practical. And just to, to explain, you know, the impact that just that, you know, if, if we can, if we can, uh, so there's thing about people having loads of money and dealing drugs and doing all sorts of other crazy crime stuff. But I think the biggest, one of the biggest, biggest things is this thing. If you say like 1,050 people every hour globally gets kidnapped, I mean, that is absolutely freaking crazy. And and me here in South Africa, in Krugerstorp, or maybe not thinking that I can make a difference. You know, it doesn't mean I have to get involved with somebody that fights this or some whatever, just by doing my job well, I can make a difference. So yeah. is there anything you can share with us just along those those lines to highlight that issue as well? Absolutely, Francois. And, and you know, I, I suppose it's because, partly because I'm, I'm, I'm a woman and, and partly because I am a passionate person, I get very passionate about um, particularly the human trafficking part of, of things. And I don't think people know what an impact they could have by doing compliance within that evil sector of what happens. 
if you take somebody who is into human trafficking, it is quite a syndicate and it's a, it's a very fine-tuned operation which they have in place. You're not just going to wake up one morning and decide, let me go steal a child. It is a syndicate that is well-planned, it's orchestrated, and it's run by extremely astute business people. That business needs to be funded. You need to pay someone to go and kidnap the child. You need to pay someone to have that child transported. You don't want a kicking, screaming child, so you're going to drug the child. And they do all of this in under three minutes. They shave their hair, they change their clothing. Who supplies the clothing? Who supplies the equipment, the drugs, to drug the child so that they numb and don't say anything and just sit looking at everybody? Who funds that? Money is needed from the moment that concept arrives right through to getting that child to a destination where it will be used for either labor, for prostitution, um, they put them into armies, they do all sorts with them. Who actually pays that? Now, if you have somebody that is a part of this, that is a financial contributor to this kind of crime, and they want to have a life insurance or buy a car, or they want to buy a home, who is assisting him to launder that money and to get that money clean so that he can pay others to do the tasks which they need done. So that is where doing compliance plays a huge role. And if you can make those people's lives difficult to financially trade by doing due diligence, and you will be very surprised how a system like beeswax is able to give you this kind of information on the offset. Will you always get information? Any software provider that tells you, yes, we're 100% accurate is lying. But the majority will be captured within that first moment of engagement. Mm. So we can, as a mom and pop shop that sits on the corner that is an accountable institution because the law has decided you high risk, which for good reason has been done, you are able to make a difference in doing your due diligence on the friend that you're signing up for one of your products. Yeah. Julie, so let's let's talk. We've got three minutes. Let's let's talk about, about beeswax um and just um you know how it works um you know and all of that um just, just the, the concept of it i mean obviously people can book demos and things to see that um but do i've also put the the website on the screen as well as down in the description so people can go and learn more about what it is that you do but just quickly you know what is beeswax what does it what does it do how easy is it to use uh and and that awesome so i think Francois just Again, based on the stories and the reason why I'm so passionate about compliance is because we can make a difference. And the software application that we have designed um, has been conceptualized because of that in saying, what can we provide to accountable and reportable institutions that can help you to not spend your time on the incorrect things, but rather on the analyzing and then 
at the end of the day, ticking the box that I have done proper due diligence. The system takes care of looking through data sets for you to compile a proper due diligence on your clients. The Beesbacks application is extremely easy to use. You need a name, a surname, and an ID number, and it's incredible on how much information you're able to draw on individuals based on that. And the Beesbacks application automatically screens your individuals and brings back a report for you based on your RMCP and also risk calculates your client and has automated ongoing checks, which is imperative. So all the major frustrations that people deal with when it comes to compliance, the Beeswax application has taken into regard and actually does that for you. So having the Beeswax application will make your life easier and will make your uh, compliance a lot more enhanced and the experience a lot easier than the current fr frustration that we're dealing with in getting papers and Googling, Googling TFS lists and trying to figure out where am I and what have I done. The system actually takes care of that for you. But I think the main driver of the Beeswax application is to actually motivate people to do compliance so that we can make a difference in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what is what is important is that ongoing because because I think also there's this notion that you just check it once, you know, just because somebody is on the straight and narrow today doesn't mean that they're on the straight and narrow tomorrow. So there is this requirement that it should be done annually. I think at, at the very least uh, to to check if somebody is still who you think they are, who, who, who they introduce themselves to be. So yeah. so very important. Um, so Julie, if I've got it right, um, the normal cost of this is, and you can explain how the cost works in 30 seconds, but um, I think it's 1250 per firm uh, for this. Um, I'm not sure about the corporates and how that pricing works and all of it, but for the normal small guy, it's 1250 If you're a Propulsion Pro member, you get a massive discount of 55%, so then you pay 562.50 if my math does not escape me. So, um, so definitely something that you want to check out. At the very least, you want to get in touch with Julie and get a demo, right? Um, that money is the biggest investment you'll make in your business uh, ever, like in my opinion. When I saw this way back, <clears throat> I saw this like many months ago, um, early in the year, and I was just like blown away. The way the application looks, the way it works, what it shows you, like, I mean, like it's just, you've, you've got to see the demo to 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 really appreciate what this does. Um, and uh, I mean, when we launched this on Propulsion Pro, like the people just went like, oh, I want this, I want this. So it was really great. Um, so just wanted to leave that there. But um, Julie, I don't know, any closing remarks from you? Yeah, Franca, I think just thank you to you and, and for what you're doing. I think you are getting the correct message out to, to so many people and helping people understand why they have to do things. And I think that is it, it makes you and propulsion something that I think is it's amazing. So thank you for the opportunity to chat on your show. And anyone that would like to have a chat with me, my contact details are on our website as well. So please get in touch. Fantastic. Julie, thank you very much for your time. Wishing you a lovely weekend. And, uh, and I'll be chatting to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Francois. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of episode 199 or episode 39 of season three. Uh, next week, episode 200. Uh, as I said, my guest is Davi Ruet. 
So <laughs> if I can't be on, on bait soccer, Darby, you will be on propulsion live. So uh, let's, uh, I'm really looking forward to next week. And uh, obviously then we'll be back same time, same place next week. Uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe, be blessed and prosper. And remember to raise the ball. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to check out the live show, uh, Propulsion Live, on YouTube every Friday at 7 a.m. South African time. You can find it at www.propulsion.co.za forward slash live. That's propulsion.co.za forward slash live. And please remember to subscribe, share with your colleagues, your friends, and anyone who may find value like you did in this podcast. Once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next episode.